Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. You are living in a lie. You are living in a lie. That is the title of today's sermon. You are living in a lie. Is anyone aware that you are currently living in a lie? In fact, you were born into a lie. And you may even be a Christian and you don't understand it. You were actually born into an ideology and underneath your Christian faith, you may not even be aware of it, but as we go through today's message, it may actually dawn on you, say, hey, actually, I, my life has actually bought into this lie. You are living in a lie. And that's not to say you're a bad Christian or anything. You're just a human because we need to understand and recognize that we are born into a world, we live into a world, and there are cultural patterns all around us. And it actually takes intellectual work to understand where we are and to actually try to figure out what does it mean to actually live faithfully in this current world. You can take um, that, app, um, that slide down, Derek. Thanks so much for your help. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is where we're kicking off. If you've got your app, there, is, um, there are notes, there are places for you to write things and all kinds of groovy stuff. Paul Gibbs said he likes his um, church app, so I did it especially for you today, Paul. I've even got places for you to actually like fill in the gaps. Man, because Paul told us he likes that. John 10, verse 10 says this. Jesus, he's speaking very, very familiar um, verse, and we're going to um, later on look a bit more at the context, says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who likes the idea of having life to the full? You like the idea of it? Right. Have you ever, have you ever experienced it? Honestly? But we like the idea of it. And if the promise of it's there, it would be cool to actually attain it or to live in it or to dwell on it, wouldn't it? But it's kind of hard. Okay. A defining feature in the life of the modern world is this. It's a growing awareness of society's inhumanity and our inability to imagine a way out of it. Have you noticed that for all of the progress, for all the technology, for all of the science, it seems like the world is becoming less and less human? Like, the standard of life has increased phenomenally. World poverty has actually decreased so much in the last couple of decades. Like, it's actually heading in a, in a good direction, right? So the standard of life has actually really, really increased. But what about the quality of life? I would say that an increase in the standard of life does not equal an increase in the quality of life because the world in which we're living today, it seems that that quality of life seems to be a little bit evasive to us. Um, obviously, in my line of work, I talk to a lot of people, not just New Spring people, but people everywhere. And um, generally, you um, start a conversation, people say to me, or I say to them, I say, well, how are you doing? How are you doing? Right? It's very echoey in here, isn't it? It's because of my booming voice. Anyway, <laughs> how are you doing? And um, here, here's some common um, responses. I wonder if you've heard these. You know, I'm just trying to make it through, just getting by. I'm surviving. You know, it's just one day at a time. They sound pretty reasonable, these like responses. It seems like we're in this world at the moment where existence seems to be something that we tolerate. I'm just getting by, just surviving. I mean, what, sign of God, what kind of life? I'm just surviving. 
Existence seems to be something to be tolerated and time seems to be a burden at the moment. For all of our advancement, it just seems crazy, right? For everything that this technological utopia promised. And on one hand, it's actually really um, come to the promise. But on the other hand, it's actually put us in this moment where it's like, we're just surviving life. And then you read the words of Jesus, and Jesus is saying, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. In the Greek, it's this idea of this zoe kind of life, this full life. Jesus says, this is the kind of life I've come to give people. And you may be thinking, okay, there's a bit of, a, a bit of distance between what Jesus is promising and what we're experiencing. What's the answer? And you might say, oh, Dave, Dave, we just need to get people in church. And I've got to be honest with you, from what I've seen about church, I'm not too sure that it would change anything. You may think, Dave, you heretic, you seen your pastor? But my observation is that we come a lot of times to church and we're part of church and we hear preaching and teaching. And a lot of times church seems to be trying to help people cope with the modern life and not to undo the disorder of modern life. Jesus didn't come to help us cope. He came to give us brand new life. He came to actually say, there is a way to actually take off the old and to put on the new. And when you put on the new, then you're going to experience a different kind of existence. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then there's another question that you might ask a question and say, well, when Jesus is saying this, who's the thief? And a lot of times a Christian might say, you know, it's the devil. It's the, it's the devil. The devil's a thief. Jesus ain't talking about the devil here. He's not talking about the devil. He isn't. It might surprise you. Sometimes the devil gets a lot of credit. But he's not talking about the devil here. Let's read from verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. That sounds beautiful, huh? The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief that Jesus is talking about is false teaching, false ideologies, false guidance. He's in this context and saying, those who come before me, they're stealing. There is false ideologies, there is false teaching, and people go down that way and things get stolen from them. That was like 2,000 plus years ago. Do you reckon that's still relevant today in our YouTube world, in our social media world, in our plethora of ideas and ideologies, not just in the secular world, but also in the Christian world, right? But sometimes we're too lazy to actually investigate and to critique, oh, that guy's popular, that guy's got a big platform, or that, I'm hearing this. I wonder if that actually lines up with Scripture and something that kind of I am really intrigued with. There are people, people in this church, who would rather listen to a stranger than actually come here and actually say, oh, let's actually go and like, let's have the discipline of biblical studies. Go to the text. What is this talking about? How does this apply to my life? Am I stepping on your toes? It's okay. That's actually in my job description. <laughs> but we've actually bought into um, a lot of stuff. And to follow false teaching, ideologies, 
um, false examples leads to this inhumane existence, even in churches. This is not the Zoe life that I don't think that's the life that God's called us to live. So how do we kind of like detangle ourselves from this? Well, it's actually pretty difficult. And I, I think that if you're a human, you'll understand this. It's because we've been born into this world. We've been born into a world that has this pervasive ideologies into it. And I reckon there's about three steps that we could use, which are not easy, they're difficult, they're going to take a long time. Don't think you can come and listen to a sermon and all of a sudden, bang, because seriously, I'm still trying to untangle myself, okay? I'm still trying to do this. But I think there's actually um, at least three steps that we could actually apply to our life. Number one is to identify false ideologies. And we're going to talk about a very pervasive false ideology and a lie that most of us, and at times even myself, are bought into. Second thing is to untangle ourselves from its grip. And the third one's really difficult, and that is to live an alternative life. If you're going to put a Christian word to it, it would be, what does it mean to live prophetically? To live prophetically means to literally demonstrate a different way of being human. There should be a contrast. That's what it means, Okay. Sounds easy? I don't think it is. Verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go out and find pasture. That sounds awesome. The ideology of our world that has created this inhumane existence can be summed up in one sentence. And almost every single person in Australia ultimately believes this one sentence. Do you want to know what the one sentence is? This is what it is. This is the ideology. I am my own and I belong to myself. That is the lie that we live in right now. I am my own and I belong to myself. And this ideology has actually emerged intentionally um, from what we call political liberalism. That is a political ideology of which... Australia and the Western world is actually part of. So this ideology, this lie, actually started in the 17th century when language was introduced into this ideology of political liberalism, where there was this language of individual liberties and individual rights. And over time, Western thinkers began to think of themselves as naturally sovereign. That's what happened. And there were some really good things about that. Um, because there are definitely abuses, there's certainly uh, misuses of power and control, which are definitely in play, and in fact are still in play. But there was this, this real pervasive idea that I am naturally sovereign. I belong to me. I am my own, and I belong to myself. Now, now that sounds really appealing. I mean, for me, it sounds appealing. It means I can do whatever I want, right? That sounds awesome. It means that, it means that if I want to live this free life, I just cast off all restraint. And I can do whatever. But there actually is an underlying burden that actually comes with that. Alan Noble actually made a comment and he said this um, when it comes to this ideology. He said, to be your own and belong to yourself means that the most fundamental truth about existence is that you are responsible for your existence and everything it entails. That's a huge burden. And it's outworked in our world today. Because if there is no God, if I cast off all restraints, guess what? There is no God to either justify me or to judge me. 
So if there is no God to justify me or judge me, who does that? Me. Because I'm naturally sovereign. Right? So if I need to naturally justify me, I wonder why we have got this epidemic where we are just constantly trying to brand and rebrand and rebrand. And I'm actually this, but I'm actually going to crop. I'm going to filter. I'm going to do a cool little dance. I'm going to present myself. I am actually going to rebrand myself to the world. Why is that? Because ultimately, if you cast off God, you are responsible for actually justifying your existence. Now, you might be saying, that's why we need to stay away from technology. Uh Uh-uh. That's why you need to understand what technology is being used for. Let me say this, like, especially if you're a parent, like we've got young kids. I understand that when Jackson and Kayla, when they're young adults, they are going to be thrust into this world where they are just going to be like, there's going to be so much technology around. If I put my head in the sand right now, I am not in a position to provide any guidance or any leadership to them. So if you are a parent, you need to simply be engaged. You need to understand what is happening. And it's going to take a long time because it is complicated. We've got AI and all these crazy things which are happening at the moment. And if we are not at least engaged with the conversation, they are going to be thrust into this world and they're going to be looking around and we are, in a, we are just not able to actually provide any help. Technology is also a great thing. It enables us to do a lot of great things. But can you see that if, 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 if I'm responsible for my own existence, that is why we've actually got some of these things happening at the moment. And let me say this. If I honestly believe that I am my own, I belong to myself, and I'm responsible for my own existence, I may not use Instagram or TikTok, but you will use something else. It might be your job. It might be relationships. It will be something to actually justify your existence, if you don't have God. Is that making sense? We're going to have to think a little bit. So this has actually created this society of sovereign individuals with this huge burden. And when I look into the world, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not angry. I have deep compassion. Because I think that the burden of actually holding this stuff, it must be absolutely crushing. So I want to come alongside and actually help with that. Um, with that stuff. So, the idea is that if I'm liberated from all social, moral, natural, and religious values, I become responsible for the meaning in my own life, and this presents two possible outcomes. First one is this, is that I'm going to actually affirm this ideology. If I affirm this ideology and I need to justify myself, guess what? I'm trying to optimise every single part of my life. I don't know if you're on, um, on Instagram, but in my reels, like almost every second reel is a life hack at the moment. There's a life hack. And what's the purpose of a life hack? To optimize your life, optimize my time, my health. Like seriously, I can even, like it was telling me this morning, I can optimize my health simply by determining when I have my coffee. Like trying to tell me I am like coffee addict. You guys know that. But it's like, it's like, it's like there, there are life hacks. Why is that? Because we bought into this and we're wanting to optimize it, um, everything. I need to discover new ways to be and to do and to work better. The second outcome is like, if I'm not going to affirm it, I'm going to resign from it. Right? I'm going to like check out. 
And what happens then? Then I engage in mindless entertainment. You're sitting on your Xbox and your PlayStation. You come home from work. Instead of being engaged with your family, you go straight to your computer or straight to your movies, and we go into this mind-numbing mode. Yeah? That's what happens. Now, both of these outcomes, guess what they feed? Consumerism. Both of these outcomes. Okay? Understand, this series is about talking what it means to be human. So we're trying to get underneath a little bit. All right? So just, to, just a quick recap. This is the lie we're brought into. I am my own. I belong to myself. Two possible responses. I affirm this. I resign from this. Both of which feed consumerism. Let's chuck up our slide that we've been looking at um, this whole year so far. Can you chuck up that slide? The goal, um, there we go. So this year, we've actually been breaking down a theological framework which has been used for a long time using contemporary language. Creation, fall, redemption. We're actually breaking it up and saying, okay, the Bible story, the Bible is actually about the goal, mess, and the plan, if you break it down. That it seems that the Bible is bookended with what God's goal and what his dreams are for humanity and also for creation, for this world. Um, there is a mess which is more complicated than what we know. It's more than Adam and Eve eating of some fruit. No, it involves other Elohim, other heavenly beings who rebel as well. And then it also involves th this casting out of other um, heavenly beings over different regions. It's very, very complicated. It's more complicated than what we think. And then the rest of the Bible is pretty much God's plan. And we're saying this, all right? If you are saved, guess what you're saved to? You're saved to the goal. You're saved from the mess. You're saved to the goal. But if you are a professing follower of Jesus Christ, you are saved to the goal, but you are also now part of the plan. We've been talking about that. So returning to this goal about living this true humanity, this one people that Ephesians talks about, um, Jesus gave um, God the name Father. So we're family. So returning to this paradigm, living in the story of God, is actually completely opposed to the ideology of this world. And that's what makes living as a Christian really hard. And it means that we have to continually renew our mind. It's an intellectual process to be continually rethinking. Because we live in a world that says that we're all autonomous, or at least is championing that, um, that value. It says that we're all free, that we are atomized individuals. That ultimate freedom is actually found by breaking free of all restraints. And it sounds, sounds great. The problem is what we're seeing in the world is that there is a... Um, people are not free. They're actually trapped. They're in a lot of trouble. So the gospel presents answers to humanize this place. Or to humanize, for us to be human in this inhumane world. And is directly opposed to what the world says and like I said does not come easy in fact the first question and answer of the Heidelberg um, catechism which was written in 1563 imagine that 1563 this catechism the first question was this what is your only comfort in life and death and the answer is this it's in your notes that I am not my own but belong body and soul to my faithful saviour Jesus Christ. We're living in a lie and an ideology that says you are your own, you belong to yourself, and Christianity is emphatic, doesn't even blink. It says you're not your own, you actually belong to God. And the implications are very, very difficult. Because belonging to God is not like a mere doctrine, 
It's actually a reality that is supposed to be touching and shaping every part of who I am. And if Jesus really does offer true life, real life, Zoe life, and that actually is an option for us in this inhumane world, well, I want to actually live in that reality. The catch is I'm going to have to live diametrically opposed to the way of this world. Matthew 16, verse 25, Jesus speaking, and he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I mean, we rattle these verses off all the time, eh? We preach about it, we sing about it. How about we live it? That's hard. I'm with you. That's really hard. Because belonging to God, this is what it means, all right? To actually posture yourself where you could possibly live in this true life. This is what it means. There actually are some limitations. Freedom is actually, paradoxically, freedom is actually found in some limitations. If you're a parent, you know that's true of your kid, don't you? You take off all restraint for your kid, but you start putting in some restraint and some limitations. If you're a Christian, you think you can do whatever you want. You're part of the New Spring family. I'm free. Wait a minute, there are limitations. Of course there are. The gospel brings limitations. Now, you're not going to put that on a T-shirt and try to sell it. Like, like church merch is not going to like come to Jesus. There are limitations. <laughs> but it is part of freedom. So belonging to God does mean that there are obligations. There are responsibilities. There really are. Like if you're part of the family of God, there should be some obligations. There should be some responsibilities. That's not me saying that. That's actually the Bible story saying that. There are some responsibilities. Belonging to God actually does have rhythm to it. Part of the rhythm is there's sacrifice, isn't there? Hospitality is actually part and parcel of what it means to be made in the image of God. Hospitality, radical hospitality is actually not an option. That's actually who we are as people of God. Humility, whoa, that's huge. Especially when you're with people who you disagree with. Whoa. This posture of learning, repentance and reimagining. So this year, we've been pondering this question, what does it mean to be a faithful church? What does it mean to return to the goal? What does it mean to live as this true humanity? And with that, we've been saying, that part of our journey as a church is that we are trying to figure it out because the world is more complex than just memorizing a Bible verse or going to the next spiritual experience. I've done all of that, been there. I've done everything you could possibly imagine to come on the other hand and have absolutely no transformation happen whatsoever. But to actually do the work of salvation, Work out your salvation. To understand what Jesus, what are you talking about? How do I live my life? How do I untangle myself from this mess? And not just untangle myself. How can I untangle myself from this mess so that I can be a light because the world is stumbling around in the dark? And if people are stumbling around in the dark, the most obvious thing to do is to turn on the church the church is not turned on but we could be and it means 
to have a posture, a life that is going in that direction. 1 Corinthians 6.20, I'm going to read this and then we're going to finish up. I'm not as fast with technology as I used to be, obviously. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? We've talked a bit about temple, haven't we? Temple is a place where God reigns. It's a literal place that we would call the kingdom of God. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I don't know how much more diametrically opposed to the ideology of this age that could possibly be. That this world will say, you are your own and you belong to yourself and God will say, you need to remember something. We were bought at a price. I don't belong to myself. I belong to Him. And I want to untangle myself from this lie that I live in. How about you? Let me pray.